0: Hello, and welcome to the Booksmarts Podcast, where we talk about publishing data and technologies and send you away with some insights that will help you sell more books. I'm your host, Joshua Talent. On this episode of the Booksmarts Podcast, I'm happy to have Robin Witten from Audiophile Magazine. She is the founder and editor of Audiophile Magazine. Uh, Robin, thanks for joining me on the show.
1: Oh, I'm so glad to be here, Joshua. Thank you.
0: Yeah, this is really good. We haven't talked a lot about audiobooks so far on the podcast, so I'm really glad that you uh, you reached out and that we can chat a little bit about about audiobooks. I think there's obviously there's a very large growth in the industry for audiobooks. There's a lot of people that are starting to listen uh, more to audiobooks. I'm one of those people. I listen to a ton of them. So let's talk a little bit about the listenership and the demographics of listeners for audiobooks and how that's been changing over the last couple of years.
1: Well, I- interesting. Certainly, there's been a tremendous amount of growth uh, in the number of listeners um, at the same time that there has been this huge growth in the number of audiobook. Uh, audiobooks available um, for them to listen to. Um, and, and one of the things uh, I should say that that uh, I started Audiophile almost 30 years ago, so I have really seen a huge change uh, in, I mean, a tremendous change in, in that period. Uh, and But really, in the most recent Uh, couple of years, the growth of uh, the industry uh, in terms of business has been tremendous with double digit growth um, for, you know, uh, a a number of years. And um, so, but listeners are also changing a little bit in some interesting ways um, that I think, are important to publishers, particularly um, a couple of the demographic things, which is that uh, in the last uh, survey that the audio publishers did um, with Edison Research, the that the uh, frequent audiobook listeners, uh, the majority of them are under forty-five.
0: Really? Okay.
1: Yeah. So that is, that was a surprise. Um, It it has been more than 50% for a couple of years, but the, um, that number continues to grow. So what, That means to me is that uh, we are succeeding in growing listeners uh, younger and um, expanding that base um, with a really important uh, segment of the population. It's not just older people or it's not, uh, you know, that that is that is a key factor under 45 for Mm -hmm. listeners.
0: And there's a connection between the demographics of that uh, group and also of podcast listeners as well. Uh, So audio content seems to be very heavily weighted towards, uh, I guess, younger people
1: well that that's great there's no sort of uh phobia about media in that group i mean you know yeah. we don't have to explain uh or apologize or any of those things to the younger audiences um that you know audiobooks are cool it's a great way to get information to hear stories um and you know and it I think it has a lot to do with also we're we're growing another generation because parents and families are a very active component in listening in listening. Uh, so young parents think it's great. Audiobooks are a nice uh, alternative to other kind to screen time, mm-hmm. um, and so that you know we continue to grow in the best possible way. Grow the audience, um, and you know I think in the last 18 months, the way listeners have uh, uh, accessed their audiobooks has also changed because initially a few years ago, we would, you know, say that uh, the majority of listeners were commuters or, you mm-hmm. know, uh, listened in their vehicles. Well, since commuting stopped for the majority of us in the last <laughs> last year, um, the, so has the, uh, the change of where people listen. But in actual fact, people listened at home. They listened more at home, mm-hmm. um, obviously, uh, than making use of um, uh, you, know, you know smart speakers uh-huh. for listening to audiobooks. Not listening in the car um, or in transit as much, uh, but that the uh, amount of listening has gone up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I'm you know. We'll have to see when people are actually going back into offices and commuting again. But I don't think that number is going to uh, go down because listeners, audiobook listeners have discovered that they like listening at home um and then they may listen in transit again as they did before but they're still going to you know uh put on a headset when they're doing chores or walking the dog or cooking or whatever it is or just taking a break um uh, from screen time
0: yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense and it, it, you know it fits my personal life as too cuz i when i'm doing dishes or something else around the house that's the kind of thing that i'm doing is listening to podcasts listening to audiobooks and engaging with that in, uh, in various ways. So yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Any other interesting demographic changes or interesting listener changes over the last couple of years you've seen?
1: Uh, I'm not sure that there are changes. There are some things that are fairly consistent in that uh, the most popular subjects <laughs> continue to be mystery and thrillers, uh, history and biography, memoirs. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, those, uh, particularly memoirs, are particularly interesting and unique as audiobooks. And of course, science fiction and fantasy are, you know, those are the sort of three uh, top uh, categories. Uh, Groups, and I think that's stayed the same. Um, You know, I guess we're all we're consistent. Listeners are fairly consistent in their in their uh, you know what they're interested in reading and Mm -hmm. consuming. Um, And uh, but I think that one of the exciting things about audiobooks and the what's been published in audiobooks in the last couple years, where the publishers are are releasing over seventy thousand audiobooks. Um, They did in 2020. So, you know, that's a lot, lots of choices. um, And that makes that's great Uh, from the audience side. There are so many more choices. Um, You know, there are it's not just a section of bestsellers that everybody knows about. But, you know, deeper into the list, a more variety um, and a lot of differences in styles of audiobooks as well.
0: Yeah. I never I never thought about this before but you know as you were talking you know all of these different genres that you know it's very focused on story it's story driven it's uh, it's you know people stories and made up stories you know fictional stories what's really interesting is you know that's almost like we're returning as a, as a people Back to an oral tradition, in a sense, back to the the passing on of story in oral ways uh, that uh, otherwise we may kind of have lost uh, in our in our culture. So that's an interesting. I don't know. I maybe may have to dig into that a little bit more myself at some point.
1: Oh, I think I think you're absolutely right. I think it does. It resonates with us as you know to hear stories about mm-hmm. um, other lives, other people, other. Times, um, you know, contemporary contemplations of, of uh, situations, uh, dealing with a lot of nonfiction titles. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's the expansion of podcasts, the same kind of thing. I think people are uh, more and more consuming uh, this information through their ears. And yeah. also, they want their entertainment that way as well.
0: Yeah, and there's the obvious connection to you know, multitasking and things like that. But when it comes to how what we want to engage with, how we want to engage with things, uh, I think that you know, using audio content as a way of engaging is is definitely something that helps us uh, in different ways than using a book, uh, right? There's there's different ways to engage with content from your, with your when you're listening to it and. Uh, i i listened recently to the uh, audiobook for dune because i was preparing to watch the movie and very excited about that and they did such an amazing job on the quality of that performance it, it brought you into the story in a way that you couldn't uh, as a reader of the book. And some of that was just little things like, how do you pronounce that word? Right? There's, you know, there's uh, words in there that <laughs> right. in another language, basically. And so, how do I, how do I, how I would pronounce that in my head? And, you know, we all did this as kids. We make up pronunciations of things when we're reading the book as a child, you know. But it's a, yeah, I think that's a really great way of, of engaging with something. So the quality of the performance. Is part of that engagement, and that's very important to listeners. So let's talk a little bit about that as well. Um, how do you? What do you think about the listening experience and the quality of performances?
1: Uh, well, you know, because audiophile reviews the performance of audiobooks, that's our main mission yeah. uh, to talk about the performance. It's very important. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, I mean, you've given a great example of the uh, the Dune audiobook. And I think, isn't there a whole... Um, like a dictionary of terms and words that were invented in the beginning of the series and continue. And, you know, so the, the narrators had to figure out how they were going to pronounce those words (laughs) because they didn't exist. There was no reference. You couldn't call up your reference librarian and say, Hey, how do you, how do you pronounce this? So they had to decide, and then they have to stay consistent Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the things as, as a, as a reader, um, in print, when you come to a word, uh, whether it's a word that you've never seen before or a word you don't know how to pronounce, um, it stops you. It stops mm-hmm. you while you try to figure that out. Yeah. Uh, and so it stops the flow of the story essentially. Mm-hmm. So in an audiobook, the narrator's got to do that hard work. Yeah. They've got to figure it out. They've got to and they but they do and they keep that flow in the performance so that it's completely natural, uh, in the way that the author would have put it down. I mean, the yeah. author uh, didn't stop and say, Well, how is somebody when they do an audiobook going to or read? How are they gonna pronounce this? They didn't worry about that.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Yep. <laughs> it it was it was there. So so the performance part um the the narrators do uh a lot of the heavy lifting when mm-hmm. uh, uh there's a, a high quality performance like the whole dune series there's a ton of research that goes into it um the the narrators have to make uh stylistic decisions mm-hmm. uh they uh i think it, essentially uh work with their engineers and directors to work it all out um and you know, then it has to be consistent. And then the engineers and, you know, have to keep the quality consistent mm-hmm. so that after four or five hours, <laughs> you know, the the <laughs> the voice level, uh, the way something is produ- pr- pronounced, all of that has to be consistent. And there's a ton of work that goes into that.
0: Yeah. And there's, there's sound design that goes into that as well. Like, in, in, again, back to the Dune uh, audiobook, there's a lot of music that was created as a result of that production you know that that takes you from it's music and background noise that's kind of taking you and putting you into the mindset of what's happening you know, when you're hearing the Harkonnens talk about I'm sorry to get in there, for those of you who haven't read Dune or listened to Dune you should go do it but the um there when you have certain people talking or certain things happening you might have a deeper like kind of you know, kind of an angsty uh, kind of feel, and and when you have uh, snippets read by the princess, you know those those have this lighter kind of airy music that's being played with that. That kind of sound design, that kind of approach and thought process, and really thinking through how will the experience of the of the listener be affected uh, by all those things. I think that's really amazing.
1: Yes, it's very interesting. Um, I think it's often called a soundscape mm-hmm. that is going. You know. That the whole the whole concept has been worked out, where uh, a, a certain kinds of music uh, or sound comes up underneath uh, the the uh, narration. Yeah. But I think also it to to come back to the narrators and what they have to do is they are also changing their emotional tone, mm-hmm. so that um, not only character voices but the emotional content. Of what they're saying. And that's um, sometimes a little hard to uh, get your head around how they would do it, but they are actors and there's, you know, they can do it at, um, you know, a very high and effective level, or they can sometimes miss and yeah. you know, miss the connection, um, you know, phone it in kind of. And then that's that lends itself to a performance that sort of perhaps leaves a little leaves the listener a little flat, uh, a little disconnected. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, the author intended you to be connected to that story every yeah. minute and anything that takes uh the listener out of the story, um is you know not not optimum. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, definitely. So there's a lot that goes into this process, and you know, high quality audiobook production is not something to take on lightly. Uh, a lot of publishers are in the process now of figuring out what to do about their audiobook uh, library and how to engage that. Some are just saying, "Look, we can't do it ourselves. We know we can't. We're going to license that out and have someone who else who can do that, who's professional, do that process for us." Um, others are, though are taking that on. So let's talk a little bit about some practical advice. You've been listening to a lot of audiobooks and reviewing them for a very long time, and really engaging this uh, this area. So, what are some practical advice, some tips that you have for publishers to make a better audiobook? What what are the reviewers calling out? What are you guys actually doing? And how can you, how can publishers take a better approach with that?
1: Well, I think um, what's really important is to recognize that this is a highly professional industry, a sophisticated industry, Mm -hmm. and um, taking a a book and just finding somebody who has a nice voice to read it for you is not going to cut it. Mm -hmm. you know, you, it is sophisticated. There are people, there are professionals who do a wonderful job. They support the publishers and, uh, they walk you through as a publisher through the whole process and come out with an excellent product. I mean, that's what you really need to do. And then, you know, from a, from a content point of view, you know, Mm -hmm. you've got a good book, you need to, uh, I think, Get uh, professional help to make that into a great audiobook. And one of the things that I, um, aw- a great resource is the Audio Publishers Association. Mm-hmm. Makes sense, it's the trade association for uh, publishers. And uh, they have a ton of resources on the website, uh, which I think we're going to put in the show notes, the link. Um, It's under Getting Started. And there are tips specifically uh, for publishers about uh, distri- distribution options, uh, production options, um, and a, a number of little white papers just about why it's important, the things that are important uh, for publishers. So there's a lot of information there.
0: Yeah. And as as publishers are going through that process and they're setting things up, uh, let's talk a little bit about Audio, Audio File Magazine and what you guys yeah. do and where you fit in that approach to, you know, uh, we're taking a, taking a new approach to our audiobooks internally. What do I do with Audio File Magazine?
1: Well, Audiophile um, basically is a review and recommendation source. And we do, so that's what we do. We don't sell anything. We just talk about audiobooks and we talk about it all the time uh, across a number of platforms. uh, And so our website, we're, we're publishing about 50 reviews a week. Joshua. So that's quite a lot wow. yeah. uh, coming from reviewers, uh, professional reviewers all across the country with different interests. Mm-hmm. So there's a range of opinions. Um, and so our, our reviews are focused on um, the performance aspects, what makes it the audio listening experience uh, worth someone's time. We can keep that focus as much as possible because of course the book is being reviewed for its content somewhere else, probably. Right. Um, but we do, you know, we get, uh, review copies from all the major publishers, but, and, uh, we will accept, uh, uh, review, uh, copies for uh, any audio book, um, to, take a look at and um consider for review. I did just do some reports for the, the year to date and it looks like about uh almost 15% of our um audiobook reviews are coming from independent publishers and authors who are submitting directly to us um not through a bigger uh organization yeah um and we try we do we do um keep a really good eye on the independent publishers and small publishers who may be just starting an audiobook program. Because I think one of the things that's important to audiophile is to help uh, our audience discover things that they wouldn't otherwise find out about. Um, I think the discovery part of audiobooks is challenging Mm -hmm. for listeners. There are, um, you know, retailers who are marketing audiobooks to people. Um, But, you know, we really want to help people discover things. I love it when one of our reviewers finds like a hidden gem, something uh, that we give our Earphones Award to, uh, which is our, you know, exceptional audiobook, audio experience award. Uh, Something that, you know, it's from an independent publisher, I wouldn't know. You know, you have n- have no o- other information about where that uh, title would be available. But came to us. We reviewed it. We're excited, and we love to pass that on uh, to our audience of listeners.
0: That's great. That's great. Thank you, Robin. I appreciate all of the time that you've uh, <laughs> you spent with me on uh, talking about this. This is uh, I, again. I think audiobooks are really important. They're growing in, in importance. They're growing in sales, and and as publishers engage that, having good advice from, uh, from people like you who know what they're talking about is really helpful. So where can people learn more about what you do at Audiophile?
1: Well, we have at audiophilemagazine.com is our website. Pretty much everything, uh, is available from there. We also, uh, for any podcast listeners, we presume that's, uh, who we're speaking to right now. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we do two different, uh, podcasts behind the mic with Audiophile magazine which is a recommendation uh, podcast, a daily one title we talk about um, and recommend it. And uh, book Break is the other uh, podcast, which is a chapter a day serialized audiobook. So the idea, if you're a podcast listener and you think, oh, audiobooks are so long, I can't commit to all that time. <clears throat> we've taken them. Chapter by chapter, and you can you can listen to an episode, uh, a couple episodes a, a week, and get through an audiobook that way, and see how you like it.
0: That's great, awesome. Well, I'll put links in the show notes to those locations and the podcast as well. And thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate the conversation.
1: Thank you, Joshua. It's great.
0: So that's it for this episode of the Booksmarts Podcast. If you like what you've heard, please leave a review and rating for us in Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen. Uh, And please don't forget to fill out that listener survey at booksmartspodcast.com slash survey. Thanks for joining us and for getting smarter about your books.